Welcome back, everyone, to Four Eyes, the podcast series that gives you a clear view into the optometry world across Canada and the U.S. We hope everyone had an enjoyable holiday season, even though it was probably very quiet for everyone. All my Christmases are quiet. What are you talking about? That's pretty lonely. This is no different. I feel sorry for you. Mine's usually big. We have like, you know, you see friends, you see family, but you know, they'll annoy you next year, this year, 2021. I already forgot what year it is. I still um, write 2020 everywhere. All my yeah. documents. <laughs> um, so we are back. We're pretty excited to get started with our first episode of the year and of season four. Um, But before we start, I actually want to ask all of you girls here, what is a New Year's resolution that you guys made for this year and have already failed at it? Shit, that's (laughs) starting off real good, huh? (laughs) You sound like my sister. What's your New Year's resolution? (laughs) Mine was to actually try, try to meditate at least for five minutes every day. Oh my God. Maybe even three minutes, but I planned it all out during Christmas break. I was like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. It'll take, I'm going to start just five minutes, five minutes in the morning. That's all I'm going to do. Yeah. I did it on January 1st and I was like, (laughs) I made it. I did it. I'm so happy. Did you do the whole five minutes? Yeah, I did the whole five minutes because I was like, I'm going to start small. I'm not going to make these big grand goals. I'm going to start small five minutes of my day. Didn't and then and it didn't matter what time of the day. I just had to get five minutes done. And then when work started up again for me on January 4th, it just went out the window. Yeah. And I was like, (laughs) I don't have time for this. I can't do this. And I'd literally be sitting in front of my like kitchen table going, I don't have time for this for five minutes when I could have meditated for like five minutes. But, um, there was a story that I think Rav, did you post it where you were like, or was it Amara? I don't know. It was me when I said, who's, who's over over 2021 already. I, yeah, resonated so much with that, that I was like, it's only the first week. And I felt like the first week of January was like three weeks. Yeah. And that Friday of January, the like, what was the Friday of January? I don't know. The Friday of the um, first week, Mm -hmm. I was like, this should be January 30th right now. Like I'm so over this month. I don't know. Like I'm already burnt out. There you that's go. Burnt out. Burnt that's, out. <laughs> that's the word for, I think the first week of January is burnt out. Burnt out I, yeah. I felt mm-hmm. like that too, for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's so but- funny because the first thing that I did the first week of January was I told myself, you know, I was really proud and impressed of Rav um, learning how to do a proper headstand during oh, yeah. quarantine. <laughs> and I was like, you know, I, I want to be more flexible. I just want to be able to reach reach to something on the ground without going, Oh, my back. <laughs> like, you know, I, I want to be more healthy. And I was like, maybe I should try yoga or stretching and something, mm. you know, 10 minutes every day. I was an overachiever 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> that's overachieving for me. 10 minutes. Yeah. No, that's too long. <laughs> and I think on Monday I did like a yoga for beginners. I, okay. Yoga is hard. Like the poses mm. are hard, but to be honest, I just, I don't have the patience to slow down for yoga. 
<laughs> like they'll be like, okay, breathe. And I'm like, tell me the next <laughs> And so I stopped, but I am doing a stretch. Like I'm just doing stretches now. I, I don't, I've, I've already failed at yoga, but stretches, I'm still going strong. That's still but yoga. That's like, still yoga though. Yeah. So yeah, you know. but yoga has like the whole like mind and body and earth connection. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I don't, I don't have the patience to learn that. You're doing so your already own failed. kind of yoga. Yeah. It's fine. Oh, thank you. Called straight. Better about myself. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's Deepon's goal to be a better person and make us feel better about ourselves. <laughs> No, that'll end by two weeks. I'll become a pessimist again and be like, you're all ruining your lives. Stop, stop, stop with your goals and ambition. Wasn't your last year's goal gossip less? And it lasted for like, Hey, I, you know what? Honestly, I don't see anybody anymore. So I'm always like, my gossip now is celebrity news. I'm like, Ooh, who's with who, or what's happening to who, what, where, but what about you guys? What it like Rav and Alex, what was your resolutions that you failed at already <laughs> i actually don't have a resolution yeah i, I don't you didn't make one this year <laughs> i didn't I, I don't make one regularly um you and me rav i yeah, agree i think I because what well, you're setting yourself up for failure is what you're yes doing. yes, yes. <laughs> Yeah. So, but I'm sure like when the year was ending, I'm sure something went through your mind to just in general, not be like, oh, I'm going to start this, you yeah. know, January 1st, but you, I'm sure you have a goal yeah. that well, you wanted to start this year. Me and Harv, we both started the insanity program. Oh yeah. We started the first week of December mm-hmm. and we, and then we skipped a week because of the holidays. And then this is our fourth week. And that's something we've been consistent at. Yeah. So we're starting our second month. Oh, that's month. good. Well, it's easier when you have a partner. Oh, like for sure. You do it by yourself. It's so hard. Yeah. But that's good. But we haven't failed yet. So. Well, we'll wait for that episode. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> we're just waiting for that failure, Rab. Yeah. Let it come. <laughs> Alex, there has to be something. Well, I mean, I do set like goals throughout the year, but just not for New Year's, just because it's. I've never yeah. been a big so fan cliche of New Year's. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and plus, like being an athlete, it's not like I could ever actually celebrate New Year's because if we'd always have practice at six a.m. on the first, because they're like mm-hmm. they didn't want you know us to do anything, <laughs> which was good, but. <laughs> <laughs> They don't want us to like get in trouble because you're not yeah. anyway. Yeah. Um, so you've always had a disciplined New Year's. I've always had disciplined mm-hmm. New Year's, yes. Um, <laughs> so I never really celebrated New Year's. But I mean, one thing that happened is now I'm a co-owner with my dad. So. Oh, that's Yay! exciting. Yeah. Congratulations. That's yeah. nice. My dad recognizes you now. Well, <laughs> I think he's just he glad somebody's doing it directly to you now. Yeah, <laughs> he always did. <laughs> he's well, too good. nice. He's too nice. So but. we can, I guess, now kick it right into gear. Um, we're pretty excited because we're gonna be, I guess, testing this first episode and seeing what the response is. We're going to be starting to share our own experiences with our own patients. Um, You know, now that we've been working for at least a year and a half after graduation, we want to share clinical cases 
as in the perspective of a new grad. So, you know, we don't want to be shy about the mistakes we made, what we learned, what we maybe forgot about, and our peers had to help us remember, um, just so that we can all kind of remember that we're all humans and we're still learning, even Mm -hmm. after school. And today I'm going to be sharing a case that I had um, at one of my locations in Toronto. Um, So we can kind of get right into it and we'll kind of ask questions along the way. So I had a 15 year old male coming in for his comprehensive eye exam and he, he was pretty chill, pretty chill guy. He didn't really have any complaints. He just kind of said, yeah, sometimes my vision's a little blurry more in the right eye. And I've just noticed that happen over the last year. And that was pretty much it. Uh, Medical history was unremarkable other than just being overweight in general. And his pediatrician just recommends healthy diet and exercise, um, but nothing else and no eye history or anything and no medications. So he comes in with his VAs uncorrected 2030 in the right eye pinholing to 2025 only. And that's really with effort. Like I pushed him a lot to guess that 2025 line. And then the left eye is 2025 minus one uncorrected. Most entrance testing was normal. So pupils are normal, um, confrontation fields, EOMs, color, stereo, NPC, cover test, all within normal. And this is a practice where I do have text doing the auto refraction for me. Um, I know some people don't care about auto refraction, but this to me personally was a case where I feel like auto refraction stood out. Of course, I was doing a pretty standard routine exam on this 15 year old. And then I'm about to start refraction. And I see that his auto refraction in the right eye is plus 1.75 with minus two diopters of sill. And the left eye is minus one with 0.75 diopters of sill. And I'm trying to do his refraction and he still cannot get better than 2025 vision in the right eye. Left eye is a sharp 2020, you know, a typical myope. And I'm kind of sitting there thinking, what is happening with this right eye? Why is it such a high plus? Let me go back to his previous exams. And he's been here in 2018 and 2016. Both years, he was correctable to 2020 vision in both eyes with basically like a minus 0.5 and a minus Mm -hmm. one in the left. So for what, four years, this kid was a minus 0.5 in the right eye, sharp 2020. And now my auto refraction is saying plus 1.75 for sphere with minus two diopters of sill. At this point, obviously kind of like a red flag came in my mind, like something doesn't feel right. Um, I'm going to pause there and just ask you guys, what is going through your mind or what questions would you ask at that point for, you know, based on the refraction results? Uh, one thing that popped up to me is I look at the axis. So mm-hmm. this uh, this one is against the rule. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I know with the rule, and especially if they have a pinguacula or trigium, you can get the high astigmatism, which can throw off your refraction or your autos. Yeah. Um, so I guess that's one thing that came to my head. Oh, pay attention to the cornea um, yeah. or trigium or something. Um, I didn't even think of trigium or pinguacula actually. 
Me neither. But you know what? Maybe because he's 15. I didn't really mm-hmm. think of that. But then but, it's with the yeah. rule too. You get astigmatism with the rule, with yes. the trigium. So yeah. not against the rule. Yeah. But that is, that's um, what I was thinking too, just because of what Amrit was saying, his age. That's why I think in my head that didn't mm-hmm. pop up. Um, yeah. Actually, yeah, honestly, the first thing that honestly came to my mind if I saw this is I would do the auto refraction myself yeah. Yeah. just because I was I would be like just knowing myself. I'd be like, OK, I kind of start panicking a little bit because when I see a hyperopic shift like that, too, the first thing that comes to my head, too, is tumor, tumor. <laughs> so yeah. I'm like tumor or macula edema yeah. in this 15 year old please God, no. So I'm like, okay, let me like go do this auto refraction myself, make sure it's actually, Mm -hmm. um, that astigmatism is there, Mm -hmm. you know, if that hyperopic shift is actually there. So that's the first thing I would do. Maybe it's not the most efficient thing, but that's Mm -hmm. honestly what I would do first. Just because I would have to see it for myself to make sure it's there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think in my mind, um, when I saw that auto refraction result, I immediately went to do retinoscopy, right? Mm -hmm. Again, check the auto again. Obviously I was too lazy to get up and go back to the auto refraction. (laughs) Yeah. And that's fair, right? Right. So I, I tried to do retinoscopy and he's pretty light sensitive and dim reflexes in the right eye. Even in the left eye, the reflex was just not as crystal clear and and easy to see um, because he squints a lot. So at that point, I still tried to do a refraction. Didn't get him better than 2025. Maybe 2025 plus two on the 2020 Mm -hmm. line. No, I was just going to say another thing to keep in mind, too, is you don't know who did it in 2016 and 2018. The autos. Yes. And really, I personally don't put a lot of... uh, confidence in our auto and so Mm -hmm. if I think that something looks weird I'll ret them and like Mm -hmm. but like you said if it was too dim or you know different things happening you can't really use that you can kind of base it off of it but it's hard to get a good result from that too the the reason why I I'm emphasizing auto refraction in this case already in the beginning is because to be honest working in a corporate setting where your techs do all of the work in the beginning you do rely on auto refraction Mm -hmm. before you see the patient because you kind of set up a little bit of an expectation, right? As to, okay, I kind of know if this patient's a myope or a hyperope, maybe they're entering presbyopia. I kind of know what they might be experiencing before they sit in the chair. Mm -hmm. And um, to Alex's comments, the auto refractions in the past were both myopic in the right eye, but same Mm -hmm. with the refraction. So I might not have said that, um, the refraction itself in 2016 and 18 were minus 50 sphere in the right eye, sharp 2020 vision. Um, so I'll just clarify that. And so, yes, I'm thinking, okay, hyperopic shift in one eye, this patient is not seeing clearly and he's 15 and the parents are in the room already like what's wrong that's so much pressure there too right you have an audience going is everything okay and you're like no it's not it was his sister his mom and his dad all in the room oh my god and and so this was um this was like a couple of months ago and so then i'm thinking okay reasons for a hyperopic shift let's start with the anterior seg Mm -hmm. um on slit lamp findings i'm looking for corneal findings like what uh rav mentioned so 
I don't see any edema. I don't see any scars. I don't see any SPK when I um, put in uh, sodium fluorescine. There's no cells or flare in the anterior chamber. Obviously, his lens is clear. And I'm just like, okay, what the hell do I do now? <laughs> so I'm like, I have to dilate him because I need to make sure what Deepon's saying, is there any swelling in his eyes? And unfortunately, at my clinic, I don't have direct access to an OCT. So I dilate him. He has pretty small and crowded nerves in general. So his CD ratios in both eyes are roughly around 0.2 horizontal and vertical. And they're a little lumpy and bumpy. I mean, the right eye is definitely more lumpy and bumpy than the left eye. So that doesn't make it any easier for me. And because of those bumps around the optic nerve, the margins kind of look blurred. So, <laughs> so I'm staring at this nerve like, oh God, I wish I had an OCT just right here, right now. So I can, you know, try and identify, is this just Drusen or is this um, some optic nerve, uh, optic disc mm -hmm. edema? Of course, without an OCT, you can't really confirm if the macula is flat, but he did have a positive foveal reflex. That's um, mm -hmm. what I would look for and for a shiny macula to just hope that there's no edema there. So at this point, what would you guys do next? Would you do any other additional testing in the chair or would you just refer right away or monitor? What would you do? you have an optos at your clinic? Oh, yes. Sorry. I do have okay. an opto map and fundus okay. photos. So I did take photos of the nerves. Sometimes the AF on the optos can help you show the drusen on the nerve. Yeah. It really hyper, yeah. yes. it hyper fluoresce. So you can see the drusen a bit more distinct. Yeah. Um, I would have done that. And sometimes with the AF2, you can see if there is potential edema. I guess you can kind of see a demarcation line uh, mm -hmm. around the yeah. macula yeah. Um, just for better contrast, I guess. Um, yeah, that's, yeah actually, that would have been I my next step. Yeah, I didn't think about that. I took the photos, but I did not look at the autofluorescence. I know you said you didn't have an OCT in your clinic. I would, if I had some sort of, um, like, if I was, if I had some sort of relationship with another clinic that had an OCT, I would definitely send the patient there to yes. do that. But honestly, if not, there's nothing like that. If there's no relationship like that that exists, then I would honestly send the patient to a neurologist because if you were yeah. seeing like those blurred margins for the optic nerve, that would make me nervous plus yeah. the hyperopic mm -hmm. shift. And I, it would just, yeah, plus I would just. The history of being obese. I think that also made me a little bit more nervous because this mm -hmm. is, this is a very tall and big 15 year old. I mean, he was mm -hmm. almost six feet tall and very big. So it made me quite nervous because I said, you know, in a pediatric patient with who's overweight and who is very gradually, slowly, potentially losing vision in that eye, I don't want this directly in my hands anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? And obviously the parents, you know, parents always want second opinions and they yeah. want that reassurance that we're sending him to some, to a yeah. specialist, right? Because if I didn't send him to a specialist, they would have taken him to a hospital or another mm -hmm. doctor and been like, one doctor said this, I need you to tell me what's happening with my child. 
So I did refer to neuro ophthalmology for um, further evaluation with an OCT, a visual field, if they deemed that was necessary, um, you know, based on the optic nerve findings. And then of course, if deemed necessary by them, if there is swelling to get, um, you know, neuroimaging done to find Mm -hmm. out what is this, you know, if there is swelling, where is it coming from and why? I have a question. So when you referred the patient to the neuro ophthalmologist, how quickly were they going to be seen? Oh, yeah, that was a headache actually. And, um, this was very early when I started working in Ontario. So I think this patient was actually my first referral I made to an OMD. Mm. So initially when I requested a referral, um, they scheduled him to be seen within, I think it was like two months out. And then I had to call the patient back and ask the patient over the phone, um, you know, about headaches and neurological symptoms, because I did not think about asking those questions in the moment at the exam. Mm -hmm. And then of course, when you ask patients these questions, then they start to answer positively. (laughs) They're not sure. So they lean towards the side of yes. Yeah. So, you know, Mm -hmm. I did ask certain questions, um, you know, do you experience any headaches? Do they occur more so in the morning upon wakening or more towards the evening? Um, And so he said that he does get headaches, dizziness and nausea at school during the day, sometimes more so in the morning it's gradually gotten worse over the past couple of months. Um, But he denied any history of infection, any history of flu, cold fevers, no orbital pain, no dimming or shadows in his vision or anything else. I did call the ophthalmology office Mm -hmm. and I told them that. And then I said, you know, if he's experiencing headaches and I want to rule out papilledema, I would like him to be seen earlier. How early can your ophthalmologist see him? The receptionist was like, okay, he has headaches. All right, we're going to push it way Mm -hmm. up and we're going to get him seen within like two weeks. If I heard that the referral was going to be two months out, I think I would just send the patient to the ER, especially if if there was um, headaches. And then if I thought there was papilledema, I'd be like, oh, because I feel like there's a lot of, uncertainty when these kind of cases come up and it makes it, it personally for me, it make it gives me so much anxiety because I don't know what's going to happen yeah. for my patient. And I'm just like kind of calling different ophthalmologists, talking to different techs, nurses, whatever. Yeah. And even though I know it will be okay, you're just yeah. trying to do the best for your patient in that moment. Yeah. And you're, you just feel like you're failing and you're just like, no yeah. one <laughs> is helping me. Please see my patient now before yeah. everybody else. <laughs> and you're like, so that's how I feel every time I go through this. And yeah, um, yeah it's very, it's a very nerve wracking experience mm-hmm. for me. Anyway. Here's, here's one reason why I didn't feel like it had to be urgent as in, you know, same day or next day type of a referral, mm-hmm. because he kind of said that this vision loss has slowly been happening over the last mm-hmm. couple True. of months, maybe a year. Yeah. And he even said, to be honest, I, it doesn't bug me. Like I didn't mm-hmm. really notice. Yeah. And, and at that point I said, you know, if, if there's a tumor there, it's taking its time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's taking its time and he's still functional. 
you know, mm-hmm. she didn't have any other neurological symptoms except maybe a headache that yeah. was positively answered most likely because I asked the question. Yeah. So it's like when you ask about scalp tenderness and they're like, what is that? And you're like, you know, when your scalp hurts, and they're like, yeah, yeah. Sometimes and you're like, shit, why did I even ask you? Because now we got to go through all the motions. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, he was going to be seen within two weeks. I got his paperwork back after three weeks or so. Mm-hmm. He saw a neuro ophthalmologist who mm-hmm. said, you know, um, we checked him out and they just said he has small crowded discs and the ophthalmologist was able to refract him in the right eye with minus 0.25 sphere 2020 vision. And then the left eye was the same, you know, minus one sphere uh, 2020 vision. And the ophthalmologist made a note and said, patient's fine, patient's healthy, advised him to return back to Dr. Bilku for updated refraction. So basically, don't waste my time, give him his damn glasses and leave (laughs) me alone. (laughs) And this was my first ever referral, okay, as a dad. And it's so nerve wracking to get a referral back from a, a big, you know, ophthalmologist who's basically making you feel like everything that you panicked about was for no reason. Mm -hmm. And I looked at that refraction in my room, exam room with the door shut by myself and out loud, I was like, there's no way there's no (laughs) minus a quarter 2020 vision. No freaking way. I don't believe it. And I'm not, I'm not going to settle for that. I called the patient back and I said, Hey, book your appointment. Let's do a follow-up. You know, I have the ophthalmologist report. So let's talk about it together with him and his parents. So then anyways, the patient comes back, let's do your refraction. According to the, you know, ophthalmologist, you're pretty healthy and normal, which is good. Your optic nerves are normal. Um, Let's try to get your refraction and get you some glasses if needed. Obviously his uncorrected VAs coming in, um, in my chair again is, 2030 in the right eye, 2020 in the left eye. My text did auto refraction. The right eye is plus 2.25 minus three diopters of sill. And then the, the left eye again is like a minus one, you know, myope. So again, even though we don't always rely on auto refraction, that is still saying something. If you're repeating auto refraction and it's still also that hyper, um, that hyperopic shift, um, I hyperopic to- shift and a shift in astigmatism too, yes. which we keep on forgetting mm-hmm. to mention. Yes. 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 His, um, astigmatism was definitely changing too. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, Deepon, I didn't even pay attention to that. Yeah. That's what I was going to say too. Just because of that hyperopic shift, that would cloud my judgment on a lot of yeah. things because of the tuber thing <laughs> hanging yeah. over my head like this kid has a tuber, figure <laughs> it out. <laughs> like, yeah. So I, I agree. Like I confess that to the stigmatism because that's a pretty big change in astigmatism yeah. too. Yeah. And we all learn in school when that happens, the first thing you think about is you know, keratoconus, right? Yes. Yeah. But or some corneal definitely, issue or some cord. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Corneal issue. Right. Mm-hmm. But for sure, the hyperopic shift would have taken over struggle. Did you try the, um, ophthalmologist prescri- or refraction? 
<laughs> are you serious minus a quarter oh I was like you know I think that ophthalmologist just really pushed him to guess and he got 2020 because I pushed him to guess and he could only get 2025 during one of my rotations when I work or when I yeah when I worked in an ODMD clinic or hospital mm-hmm. none of the ophthalmologists did the refractions it was all techs that's going to say too. What if it's a yeah, tech? Yeah, it was all text, and they did the refraction. They literally just changed the dials on the side. They don't check, like really check astigmatism. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then they take a quick VA, and they're like, "Yep, that's what it is." And they really, really, really go off of auto refraction. Like whatever auto refraction mm-hmm. is, they're like, "Yeah, that should be close enough." Even a refraction from an MD or an ophthalmologist's yeah. office, I'm kind of like, uh, "I don't know." Yeah. So at this point, I'm sitting there again, pretty frustrated because not only am I not figuring out why this patient can't see well, but again, of course, his parents are sitting there, you know, really worried. His refraction is not working out well. And I'm like, you know what? Let me try retinoscopy again. And I finally get him to just open his eyes really wide. And you just see scissor cuts all over <laughs> the place I'm right size. I know <laughs> I was like I'm, I was so happy I was so happy he had scissor reflexes because I was like okay I'm gonna look at your cornea one more time I also I mean I tried to pay attention to his k readings from the auto refractor but the k readings were l- showing less astigmatism than uh, his refractive mm-hmm. astigmatism. So at that point I was like, uh, I don't know if this is keratoconic related, but let mm-hmm. me check your cornea again. I stained his cornea again. He has two plus linear SPK within his visual axis in the right eye and a little bit in the left. And then I kind of sat there and I stared at him and I'm like, do you rub your eyes a lot? And his dad just opens his eyes. He's like, oh my God, he's always rubbing his eyes a lot. Like throughout the entire day for years, he's been rubbing his eyes. And at that point I said, all right, we are going to send you to a corneal specialist now because I have a good hunch that this could be early signs of keratoconus. I didn't really think of keratoconus with patients with a large hyperopic shift, Mm -hmm. but like Deepon mentioned, all that astigmatism can't just be coming from nowhere. Mm -hmm. And the front of his cornea to my naked eye looks good, but I don't have a topographer in my office and you can't really diagnose keratoconus without that. I felt like I just wanted to like smack myself on the head. Like, Oh my God, I can't believe you never thought of that the first time. Um, so I did refer him to a corneal specialist who took him in, I think about a month later, because at this point it's not an Mm -hmm. urgent referral. Yeah. So you had to wait a bit and she sent the report back and her pentacam scans revealed early keratoconus in the right eye with, um, inferior steepening with thinning and rise in a, a posterior float in the right eye. And the left eye looked relatively normal. She discussed cross-linking with him and is going to refer him immediately for cross-linking and potentially uh, some PRK with that as soon as possible. So yeah, I felt really proud of myself when I got that back. But yeah, that was one of my first early interesting cases where I just totally felt like a newbie and was like, 
what am I doing in life? Why? (laughs) (laughs) Like I'm here all by myself with limited resources in my clinic. And it's so hard to pinpoint what referrals you need to make Mm -hmm. without sending the patient on like the scavenger hunt across the city, trying to like figure out what their diagnosis is. Sometimes you think it's easy referring a patient out, but finding the correct ophthalmologist yeah. mm-hmm. is more of a difficult task than you think. Like yeah. sometimes mm-hmm. I have a patient, I'm like, okay, who do I send it to? Mm-hmm. And then unfortunately, like, I don't know, I have a very hard time, even when I go online and I read people's, the ophthalmologist, what they offer, what their specialties are. Yeah. It's very generic. Like, oh, glaucoma, strabismus, yeah. or like refractive surgery. I'm like, Okay, like it's very hard to find for all neuro ophthalmologist mm-hmm. and oculoplastic very, very, surgeons too, and oculoplastics. Yeah. Um, even um, ophthalmologists that specialize specialize in peds. Yes, mm-hmm. very yeah. hard yeah. to find. Like I or, or the waiting period is just so long, and you're like, it's these kids, man. They need to see somebody yeah. right away. Wrap, <laughs> do it for the kids. Come on, man. <laughs> Especially a young kid, I'm like, yo, please get in, please get yeah. in. I don't want you to be waiting like months to see somebody. And yeah, yeah, I think with this case, I think the turning point was um for me was when you got the report back from the neuro ophthalmologist mm-hmm. and then deciding what you did. I think yeah. a lot of ODs would be like, Okay, well, yeah. if the ophthalmo if the ophthalmologist says he's yeah. okay. I guess he's okay. I know for me, when I get those reports back, a lot of the times I'm like, okay, whatever they say is truly what's going on. And, you know, they know better than me. And they use all their like um, medical terminology that I always forget about when I, when I was in school and I'm like, oh, gotta look this up. What are these acronyms? So it's like, you really do believe what the ophthalmologist says. And you're like, okay, I guess we're going to do whatever they say, Mm -hmm. but that's really good that you fought and like for your patient and was like, no, there's something wrong. Like there's something going on here. I need to figure it out. So I think that's the rare action that a Mm -hmm. lot of ODs would take and be like, okay, well, we'll just send this kid on his way. And, you know, and it could have been possible that he would have had an eye exam five years later. And obviously his vision would have be changing so much but he would just rely on his left eye to see and then five years later they'd be like yeah we can't really do anything anything. you're gonna get some special specialty contact lenses to kind of help you and and call it go from there yeah you were his advocate amrit even though he didn't care he was like i'm like no you're not we gotta figure this out (laughs) yeah you know that's me later that's the thing that I, I hope we don't lose because I know mm-hmm. with you grad ODs, we have a lot of care in us right now. And I hope it stays that way because yeah. I know once you get closer to retirement and all <laughs> your patients start to feel the same, it gets really hard to go above and beyond. So I'm really yeah. proud of myself that I went above and beyond for that, that person. Like I even called their parents mm-hmm. to see how he's doing and, um, I think they just, you know, they felt better that they knew a doctor was checking up on him. And so, yeah, this is all the motions that optometrists can go through where it can be very mentally draining yeah. for them to like, kind of deal with a patient like this. Like if you yeah. had a patient like this and then you had 20 more people to see after that, you're going to be mentally drained. And then if yeah, you see. have five more in the day that are like this, 
it is not easy to yeah. constantly go above and beyond for your patients because, you know, that's not an easy way to practice for sure. And I think that's why a lot of us feel burnt out, especially yeah. in the press, and they're like, you know what? I'm just going to choose the easy way out and not really care. And then just like yeah. go and see my patients and go home. Exactly. And- Any other last comments from my unique case? <laughs> no further questions then. <laughs> But for those of you guys who have any questions or comments about what Amrit could have done differently or or Mm -hmm. if we should have thought about something differently, share it because Mm -hmm. we would like to hear your guys' thoughts so we can all learn from each other. Yes. Um, I, I really like the idea that we're sharing this because I do want it to emphasize that we're human. We make mistakes. Sometimes we feel stupid. We don't always have to be the best of the best. And we -hmm. just have to use each other to learn and remind ourselves of other diseases that we might not see every day because someone else has seen it. So someone else might have a different idea than what you're thinking. Um, So yeah, what Deepon said, share this case on your stories, DM us on Instagram, Uh, leave a comment on the actual episode if you'd like to share any other pointers um, so that we can learn more. And tell us if you enjoyed this episode because we have, we're planning to do more. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, let us have a lot of cases like, so we know if you guys like a lot of cases to share Mm -hmm. a lot of mistakes to share too. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks everyone for listening to four eyes. Make sure to subscribe and check us out on Instagram at four eyes optown for more eye related content. Look out for new episodes every Wednesday until then stay tuned.